Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where deck the halls with bows of veteran minimum exceptions. Fa-la-la-la-la, we got Marcus Gasol, Wes Matthews, and Trez, la-la-la-la. Uh, <laughs> if, you're, if you're a Lakers fan, Christmas came early for you this year, and so did that post-Thanksgiving meal trip to fan food coma, because we're all just happily living in Lakers acquisition cloud nine still. So when you all physically gather around the Thanksgiving table with family this week, obviously within the COVID safe guidelines of 10 people or less, hopefully less, let that tryptophanic state of food coma take over you in a way it never has before as you euphorically run high-low Gasol to AD lobs in your head on loop while you wait to scarf down a second helping of turkey feast. Speaking of turkey feasts and gathering around the Thanksgiving table with family, This year, the Lakers table has quite a few new faces sitting across from us, ready to pass us the gravy. So, Tommy, how are you liking these newest additions to Lakers Thanksgiving table, and are you afraid of any awkward dinner discussions? You know, I like the additions for the team. I don't know if I like the additions to the table because I just, you know, Montrez is going to eat all the food, dude. There's going to be none left for me to have. (laughs) That fool's ready to eat. (laughs) <laughs> you know, I'm honestly a little bit concerned about political discussions with Trey Tinkle. That's just me. But um, <laughs> Alan, I know it's cust- I don't uh, that just came out of nowhere. I didn't even have that written down in my outline. But uh, Alan, I know it's customary to eat pumpkin pie for Thanksgiving, but I think I'm switching it up this year with cake. Do you have a favorite cool. cake you think would go well with a typical Thanksgiving spread? Oh man, a favorite cake. Um, I mean, I'm just gonna start saying stuff out loud and see what kind of sounds right. There's carrot cake. There's red velvet cake. I think carrot cake. Uh, I think carrot. I like carrot cake. Yeah, I think, and it's still orange. You know, true for aesthetics. Yeah. Well, outside of carrot cake, Alan, I have I have one cake in mind that's a little more Lakers theme. Can you guess what it is? Uh, I'm just gonna let you go ahead. Tres leches. <laughs> I thought you were going to say K-Cock. Uh, that's uh, Tres leches for Montrez and Tres Tinkle. Um, all right. I... You love talking about this Tres Tinkle, dude. I do. Yeah, they just dude, have literally such never good names. This whole season. <laughs> we're going to cut him before I can talk any more about him, and maybe that's for a good thing. Got to get it all in. 
I, I really don't know how to segue out of that besides saying we're talking more about this freaking dominant Lakers team today. Um, and today we're going to talk about this Lakers team holistically now that we've got all of our main new additions in tow plus our main returnees. Uh, what do we make of this team as an interconnected unit when things are clicking on all cylinders? Uh, but before we get to all of that, though, please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us five stars on the Apple Podcast app. We beg of you to do that this holiday season. Uh, the Lakers front office isn't doing the bare minimum and resting on their laurels or yannies. So we ask that you don't either by rating and reviewing us five stars, because the more you rate and interview us, that's how many times I'll continue to mispronounce Montrez Harrell's name as Montrezel throughout the entire season. So Montrezel, Montrezel, Montrezel. let down your long hair. <laughs> okay, let's get into it. Let's talk about this reloaded, rejiggered Lakers team. We can start generally. Um, we've touched upon it a little bit before, but I feel like this is the perfect blend of veteran leadership and maintaining that aspect of things with guys like Wes Matthews, LeBron James, Marcus Gasol, um, but also adding this infusion of youth and sustainability. You know, I've been kind of teasing it on Twitter and calling it the Lakers non-AD LeBron young adult core. Uh, we've got THT, who's the youngest. He's 19 years old. He's, he turns 20 on the 25th, I believe, actually. Um, then we've got Kuzma, 25 years old. We've got Caruso, who's 26. Trez, who's 26, Dennis Schroeder, who's 27, and KCP, who's 27 as well. So, um, Alan, what are your thoughts on this very balanced and intentional attack by Rob Palenka to, you know, kind of reverse course from last year where we were kind of like a top-heavy kind of season team to now it's like there's a potential here if we want to and if these guys want to stay on to really build this out around Anthony Davis with getting guys in their prime still for sure yeah uh the the youth infusion but the fact that they are in their primes you know uh that's that's huge um i don't think any of us really saw that coming it, it was probably leaning a little bit more towards running it back ish right which is guys who are really at the end of their careers um and yeah, the fact it, it's kind of like when you have a dog who's, you know, getting up there in age and um, you get a puppy. Right. Oh, and then that puppy just. No, dude, I'm not oh, saying okay, about okay. The, the, right. the old dog. The, do the old dog's fine. It's not that old. Right. Um, but, you know, it's just like a little bit older. And then uh, you just want that dog to have a playmate. And then ah, that okay. invigorates the dog. Sure. Right. The older yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. And he, he starts acting like a puppy again. So, um LeBron, you know, not saying that he was going to lose steam by any means whatsoever, but you can't help but have a change of, I don't know, I don't want to say attitude either because attitude's great, but just having guys around you who are that much younger and hungry, guys who haven't won chips, you know, um, being with them in practice and, and, and mentoring them and teaching them, that's going to continue to invigorate LeBron. Um, yes. Yeah, so I, I think that the combination um, is is set up to be really, really great. And um, yeah, I think it's a really great balance. Yeah, Tommy, anything you want to add? And also, how important was it in your eyes to retool in such a way, especially with the wonkiness of the last two years and it still being technically a pandemic season and thoughts of just you know load management and finding ways to take the burden off LeBron James and Anthony Davis's shoulders 
I don't know if it's a case of in the past championship off seasons, a case of being strapped at what we could do and, and this not even being a remote possibility. I think it's really that, like Rob Polinka just opening our eyes to look at everything that I can sort of finagle and fit. I, it's, it's still like boggling my mind that you can get a young adult core like this uh, around LeBron James and Anthony Davis and and actually follow through with that notion of, you know, this year is going to be very different. We're starting very soon. Uh, literally, our own, we get probably a full month's break at most, but we got to get back up and running and we want to make sure to maintain, you know, our top guy's health. And how do we go about doing that? Even to the best, my most ideal scenario, I maybe saw two or three guys coming in that could help infuse that sort of talent, but really I had it on Cal Kuzma, THT, and Caruso's shoulders, you know? I did not think we would get two guys even better than any of the people that we had before to, to on top of it, be, you know, kind of the leaders of this group of just, hey, on a night when even maybe both Anthony Davis and LeBron James have to sit out against what the Atlanta hot okay maybe Atlanta's a bad uh, example but like the Charlotte Hornets we're gonna be okay and we'll probably still win running out that group led by Schroeder Montrez and Kyle Kuzma you know yep no yeah I think it was it was an awesome move and it really accomplished multiple goals I mean with a championship team you don't want to you don't want to stir the pot too much and I think when you look at our roster we are bringing back six rotation players who were six of the nine rotation guys that we relied on in the finals, six of the 10 rotation guys that we relied on throughout the season. And the four new guys fill obvious holes uh, created by the voids left by guys who, you know, the four of the, you know, there's, I don't know how however many guys left, you know, fill those voids, but also, you know, address some of the weaknesses that our roster had. Doing all of this while at the same time getting younger is like so unfathom unfathomable to me. But like Rob was able to pull it off and it's just going to create a situation now where, like you said, I don't want to say coast because every season is tough and it's going to be a grind and there's going to be difficult games and we still need to play for that one seed. But we could not, you know, when AD was out for the four games or whatever that he was out last year, we struggled horrifically. When LeBron was out for his random load management games here and there, it was really, really tough. I mean, we got waxed in a few of those, you know? So mm -hmm. now we have the ability, like you said, to where with this quick turnaround, we can just do like a bench game. I mean, this bench lineup is better than some teams' <laughs> starting lineups, you know? So uh. it, it, it's it's going to buy our guys a lot more legs going into the finals and... I think our coaching staff is going to figure out a way like they did last year when, I mean, there were stretches of the season. We were running 11 deep with a much less, much less depth than we have this year. Um, our coaching staff is going to figure out a ways to get guy or keep guys fully engaged on both ends, keep guys driven. And I, I just, it, you can't, it, it's going to be an amazing season. I don't want to jinx it, but I don't see how we're going to do very well this season. I think. <laughs> That's all. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. I mean, you, you talked about complacency. And if anything, I was worried that, you know, maybe bringing back more of the guys that we had last season, you know, Rondo, what else does he have to prove at this point winning with the Celtics and the Lakers? You know, is, are we going to get an even worse version of regular season Rondo? I was more I, I was more worried about the complacency aspect of things. 
if we kind of ran everything back, you know, at 90% capacity. But now we've, like Alan said, we've got renewed, we've got an infusion of reinvigoration, if that's making any sense. And um, there are, this is a contract year for guys like Kuzma, Schroeder, Caruso, and Montrez. Don't be fooled by Montrez's contract. He's using this year to ball out, and he's going to opt out of his player option in year two. And if you're thinking about, you know, oh, we can trade Montrez with the trade deadline. No, you can't, because at that point, it's only going to be a two-month rental of Trez, and you know he's probably going to opt out of his second year, so you're likely not going to get anything for that. So just enjoy the ride with Trez, but I'm very much looking forward to the extra contract year oomph from all of these dudes, you know? Um, so in terms of just rejuvenation, there's that aspect of things, just hungry guys. And then just in terms of the, one of the benefits of flipping things over in this way is we don't have to worry about that. You know, there's new blood on this team that makes it sort of like fun for LeBron James and Anthony Davis again, you know, kind of makes it a little bit more interesting and gets them more engaged in the games that they do play. Um, so Alan, if you want to talk about that, but also talk about, is this the best supporting cast LeBron James has ever had, in your opinion? And then can you, in Lakers history past, is there a team that was even this deep? I mean, last year we were like losing our heads over, oh my gosh, Dudley and Troy Daniels are like our 12th and 13th <laughs> guy. It's crazy. We're so deep. <laughs> this year, it's like we are on absolute crack with this stuff. And you definitely cannot understate the depth this time around seasons past we were still wearing the rose colored goggles and like anybody at the end of the bench were like look at how good they are but this time it's like hey mark heath is like the 12th guy i, I don't That's know what to crazy. say crazy so i know i threw a lot of questions at you but first like is this in your opinion is this possibly one of the top best supporting cast lebron james has ever had and if you could take it back to past Lakers championship teams, is this maybe, does, that, does this team maybe even top them in terms of potential depth on paper? Right, right. Um, as far as LeBron's teams, I mean, yeah, I'm inclined to say yes. And, uh, I mean, shoot, <clears throat> Anthony Davis is a part of that supporting cast, right? <laughs> so right. the yeah. fact that we've already talked about him versus D. Wade versus Kyrie, etc., um, and thinking that that's been the best duo of his career, I think that pretty much seals it. But uh, as far as going beyond that, when I think back to the Cleveland team and then the Miami team, um, I mean, without the rosters right in front of me, I'm going to say, yes, this is definitely the deepest one. Uh, we have two essentially like six man of the year <laughs> type players, mm -hmm. right. On one squad right now. Um, Marcus all granted, you know, we know what the role he's going to serve in terms of minutes and all that stuff goes, <clears throat> but he's a former all-star, right? He's a former champion. Um, all the Olympics, you know, that he's participated in and all, just all that experience by itself um, is huge. And, and like you've mentioned before, you know, we've had high IQ players who may not necessarily execute, even though the IQ is there, but you know that he's not going to make mistakes. Um, and then just, yeah, like guys like Trez and Schroeder and all that, like I, I can't really think of... Uh, any of his past teams that would eclipse that uh, that amount of talent for mm -hmm. sure. Um, <clears throat> compared to other Laker teams, oof, that's a tough one. Um, I mean, you got to think of the team that oof. I'm thinking about the second and third championships with Chad. Yes, right. Yes. 
I gotta go deep, right? Because it's like, okay, so Mitch Richmond was kind of like the guy at the end <laughs> for that one against the Nets. Um, so working backwards from there, like who are some of the other dudes on those squads? Like Devin George got some run, right? He was a young pup, but he got a little bit of run in there. I think um, you need to think more recently. Oh, okay. <laughs> are we talking about... So I think the 2009-10 Lakers, and I Uh think this team is potentially better than they were. They just had more consolidated talent within specific guys. Because the Kobe and Shaq Lakers resemble more last year's team. And Tommy, you can jump in here if you want to. But in terms of having Kobe and Powell as the main big two, but then we also had Bynum, Mm -hmm. who was an all-star, Odom, who was a six-man of the year, and then Ariza or Meta World Peace, depending on what year you want to point to. You got right, Fisher, right, right. Walton, Farmar, Sasha, Shannon Brown. You know, the, we called them the bench mob. Um, I don't know if we have anyone as talented as Odom and Bynum in a vacuum, but the collective talent of Schroeder, Harrell, Gasol, Kuzma is probably equal or greater to those two guys. And then mm. you have guys on top of that like Alex Caruso, KCP, Markeith Morris. So I think for me, okay, this is okay. probably the deepest and most talented Lakers team we've seen I in our so lifetime from so top too. to bottom, yeah. which yeah. now that I'm putting that out into the air for the first time, only bad things can happen. But honestly, <laughs> <laughs> at least on this paper, is the best team ever. <laughs> at least on paper, you know, health considered, et cetera, I, I think you can make a strong argument for that. Tommy, would you agree? Mm. Certainly at this point in the season, I would say it's no question. This is the best in our lifetimes, the best... I don't know about the Showtime teams, right? But in our lifetimes, the best yeah. Laker roster. I I think you're actually right. The 2009 team with the bench mob, um, when I think that bench... We had Kobe, Powell, and uh, uh, I guess Bynum was hurt. Kobe, Powell, Odom, Bynum, whatever, as our main guys. And then that bench was averaging... I, they were top five in the NBA, which is pretty That's amazing true. with Kobe and Powell as starters on your team. Yep. Um, so that was a very, very deep team. But in terms of pure talent and depth, I, I mean, it's like, again, every position, there is not one weakness. Like, we were starting Derek Fisher on that team, and I, I love Fisher. He's a great NBA champ, yeah. you know, <laughs> NBA champ and fantastic player, did amazing things for us. But Dennis Schroeder averaged 19 points a game last year. You know, Montrez Harrell averaged 19 yeah. points a game last year. Like, these guys are legitimately, legitimately dangerous players. I think it's by far the best yeah. team LeBron has had. And a lot of that is AD, um, because AD is the best teammate, in my opinion, that LeBron's ever had. Um, certainly the best in terms of his uh, how he syncs with LeBron. And then when you add all these other guys, it's like, I, you know, there, I have these memories of those um, Miami Heat teams being a lot more stacked than they were. And it really shows you that how much LeBron and D Wade were carrying, and even Bosch were carrying mm-hmm. those teams. Um, yeah, they had, they got Ray Allen, they had Mike Miller, they had James Jones, they had these random like LeBron mercenaries who would come on and, and, you know, fill in minutes, but they were not playing 10, 11 deep. Like I think we're going to play this year. I mean, Playing 10-11 deep is supposed to be a strength of the Denver Nuggets, right? Like, perennially, they're the team that runs out these random deep rosters, and it seems like they're always signing guys, and they have, like, all this depth, and that's supposed to be one of their mm-hmm. advantages. I feel like we've that's exceeded... Yeah, it's like it's weird because it's like we've exceeded them in depth, but then you stack LeBron and AD on top of it, and it's just like it feels so unfair. So you know, I mean, it, maybe it is. In even though we weren't alive for the Showtime Lakers, we've seen enough like games, right? Right. So right. I mean, we could pretty much recite those rosters. Okay, so Magic, Kareem, Worthy, 
um byron scott michael cooper michael thompson like the list goes on and on kurt rambis this does kind of feel like that not saying the style is going to be the same you know any of that stuff but just in terms of the feel of like domination maybe maybe it's more like that and we had some unfair advantages back then getting like a number one pick after winning the championship etc etc you know and you know to stack on top of tommy's point about these guys being legitimately good like in hindsight, Farmar, Sasha, Shannon Brown, Ariza, Fisher, Walton, they were good as the bench mob because they were amplified by guys yeah. like Kobe, Pau, Odom. Mm-hmm. You take them away from those teams and they're like half the players they were. But to yeah. Tommy's point, these guys are doing this apart from even stepping foot on the same basketball court as LeBron yeah. James and Anthony Davis. Can you imagine how they're amplified next to these guys? Obviously, statistically, because they're playing smaller roles, it won't look the same. But just in terms of the impact, it's crazy that, again, apart from LeBron James and Anthony Davis, these guys were ready-made household names already to themselves. Not where, not like... No, no dissing Shannon Brown, Sasha, and Farmer, but you saw what happened to them on their own, and they weren't really, they couldn't really do anything. They couldn't really hold up, and so it's just crazy to just think about this team and the depth and the talent, and this is the perfect way to continue to string on the longevity of LeBron James and on, honestly also Anthony Davis. Um, I'm almost worried about complacency, um, and we'll get into the weaknesses of this team. Uh, it kind of feels like we're getting ahead of ourselves and feeding into that too good to be true mentality. But um, we'll take it to break. And when we return, I want to talk about just what the identity of this team is now. And then we'll get into some of the concerns to just to balance things out because I feel like we're getting a little too late, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> All right. So we'll take it to break. All right. So we're back. And um, just quickly off the top here, here's the wingspans of the Lakers this year. <laughs> We've got Markeith Morris at 6'10", with a 6'10 wingspan. We've got Kyle Kuzma with a 7-foot wingspan. We've got LeBron James, 7-foot wingspan. Taylor Horton Tucker at 6'4", with a 7-foot-1 wingspan. <laughs> um, Montrez Harrell with a 7-foot-4 wingspan. Marcus Gasol, and this one kind of surprised me, 7-foot-4 wingspan as well. Um, mm-hmm. That's probably why he can still be so effective while still being groundbound. And then Anthony Davis, seven foot six wingspan. Um, so I wanted to ask you guys. Obviously, we are sacrificing some things here, but I think it's more pronounced than people are making it out to be. We are sacrificing some athleticism, verticality, and maybe some defense. Um, a lot of people have been sort of painting it in a way where, yeah, the Lakers are sacrificing defense for offense, mm-hmm. but. I actually don't think we sacrifice that much defense. We're only really talking about Dwight Howard and Danny Green, if you really boil it down to things, you know? Um, and that's been filled up by Marcus Gasol and Wes Matthews. And we still don't know how Vogel is going to utilize Montrez and his seven foot four wingspan. Some things I've seen about of Montrez's game is that he does get blown by a lot by his faster guards, but the saving grace to that is his seven foot four wingspan and the fact that he can still block guys. So in a way it's a little JaVale McGee-ish, but I think under Frank Vogel, he'll be able to hone more of Montrez's agility to his advantage and his quickness and his wingspan. Um, And then outside of that trading offense for defense thing, which again, I think is a little bit overstated. If we are trading defense for offense, 
man, we are gaining so much offensively because while the Lakers aren't necessarily a prolific bang-out three-point shooting team, we are also a team full of guys who all shoot threes, including most of our bigs, for the first time. I think Trez is literally the only Laker big who doesn't shoot threes, and maybe that's even going to change because his shot doesn't look that broken. Um, so, and then and the last thing I'll say about the identity of this team is, and I guess touching upon what we were previously saying about just how talented these guys are individually, and when you put them all together, what are you going to get? But I feel like the worst case scenario of these guys, these new guys that we brought in, was pretty much the best case scenario of the guys we had last season in terms of their floors is pretty much what we already got from a best-case scenario playoff Rondo who showed up, a Danny Green, a Dwight Howard, JaVale McGee who played their roles. And they were all meaningful contributors even at that level. But in terms of this group's ceiling, it's so much greater than any collection of guys we've ever had. And I think that's what gets me the most excited. So, Alan, what are your thoughts on just the new pieces? And do you think, again, we lose verticality, we lose some athleticism, but... How are you viewing just the identity of this team, especially given the fact that we have this revamped bench that's going to be quick and speedy and just like pile on the points? And I guess you can also touch upon the defense and whether you think we've we've regressed in that department. Um, I mean, I just I have quite a bit of faith in our coaching staff, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, when you think about like our defensive identity last year yeah we had Dwight we had JaVale they're great rim protectors in terms of blocking shots and you know things like that but that that's not the first thing that like jumps out to me that's not really what comes to mind it's guys um being extremely active on the perimeter you know the schemes right and the switching mm -hmm. the switchability uh and just the versatility of our personnel and uh just guys being in position more from like a technique standpoint, yeah. right? It wasn't just raw athleticism. So when you think about a guy like Schroeder, um, is he capable of learning how to play team defense like that? I think so. Mm -hmm. uh, Trez, like you talked about, can you take his strengths of agility and that sort of thing uh, and his ability to hustle? And can that translate into him being a good defensive player as a, a team defensive player? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we know what Wes Matthews is, so that actually there's really not much to talk about there other than he's a little short in Danny Green, but whatever. He'll use his body. So, uh, you know, I'm not as concerned, I think, as others. Uh, maybe blowing it out of proportion a little bit. Uh, same thing with Marcus Saul. You know, he's a very, very big body with seven four wingspan, like you said. So is he going to be blocking shots? No, but who cares? He's going to alter shots, you know. And um, yeah, not not too worried. Not too. It's just going to look different. Yeah, which is fine for sure. And I think again, the advantage gained on the offensive end is going to be far greater. That even if there's like a little dip on defense, it's it's honestly not going to matter. And with Marcus Saul, you're always going to have like a defensive general or defensive court coordinator yeah, just... out there on the court. It's so nuts, dude. Um, yeah, Tommy, what are your thoughts on just like I guess the new identity of this team, which to me is just more versatility and malleability to the max now. Yeah, so I think defensive. I think defense is still going to be our identity, and it has to be right. If if we're going to win another championship and we're going to make it through this season, yeah. we have to be a defensive minded team. But 
I think like Alan said, it's just, it's, it's going to be fine. It's just going to look different. And I think people need to, again, in hindsight, nobody thought the Lakers were going to be as absolutely destructive and dominant defensively as they were last year. Right. I mean, they were a number top three defensive efficiency team the entire season. And it it just dipped a little bit when their offense finally caught up. So those coaches know what they're doing. We have personnel, particularly on the perimeter, that I'm really happy with between Caruso, KCP, um, uh, Wes Matthews, and even Schroeder is not known for being a great defender, but he's average, and that's better than regular season Rondo probably, right? So mm-hmm. we've upgraded, I think, on the perimeter. I think our wings are what they are. You can maybe say Wes is, and Danny's a wash. Kuz, hopefully, you, you hope he gets better. Um haven't really added anyone else there, but I think the bigs is going to be, is the thing that's the most confusing to everybody because we saw a whole season, actually two seasons of what JaVale does as a defender. He kind of is a weak side help blocker, shot blocker. We saw what Dwight did last year and he was dominant and it's kind of easy for us to process that. It's just going to be different with Mark and Montrez. Mark is a lot slower than Dwight, but he is very, very, very smart. He has amazing hands similar to Dwight. Um, Mm -hmm. And he is just a massive body in there. Uh, Montrez is not as good of an individual defender as Dwight, but he's a very, very good help defender. I mean, you mentioned the 7-4 wingspan. He averaged the same amount of blocks per game as Dwight. Granted, he played a bit more minutes. Um, Mm -hmm. But he averaged the same amount of blocks. And when you couple that with the amount of charges that he draws as a help defender, it's just like game over. You know, like... People are going to be quick to change this narrative because of how you know Montrez looked in the in the uh, in the playoffs, I guess, or in the bubble this past season. But he was a core core piece of this. Like this is going to be the greatest defense of all time, Clippers roster, right? That people were talking about. Like they said, it's going to be Pat Bev, um, Paul George, Kawhi, whoever, and Montrez. Right. So, and, you know, I guess at the time, Mo Harkless and Montrez, and it always, it always revolved around Montrez being that center who could switch everything, move his feet, you know, help the defense, take charges. And guess what? The Clippers playing Montrez were, you know, 30 minutes a game were a top five or so defensive team the entire season. So, they figured out a way to do it, and we have a much better coaching staff, I think, that is going to be a lot more equipped to mask Montrez's weaknesses and, and highlight his strengths. And I think we are going to be just as good defensively this year, if not even maybe a little bit better in some ways. Mm. And it's just going to be in a different way. It's not going to be chaos and long arms flailing at the rim necessarily, although I think there's still going to be a good amount of that. But oh yeah, it's going to be a lot more moving your feet on the perimeter and just creating very, very difficult, you know, uh, possessions for, for opposing offenses. Yeah. Well, just look at the bench lineup. Look at this rabbit. I'm just, you know, Mark Heath, maybe at the small ball five, Trez at the four, Kuzma at the three, um, <laughs> AC Schroeder. That group is going to run teams off oh my the God, freaking dude. court, Can you dude. imagine? Who is going to want to take a ball into the paint with Montrez and Marcus Mor- or Markeith Morris waiting for you in there, dude? It's going to yeah, be so violent. Sure. <laughs> this, is one of, this is one of those teams where you can literally do the line change thing, and it oh, yeah, might yeah, not hockey. matter. Yeah. You know, we're not Let's bring Luke Walton we back in for his line change. 
<laughs> okay, one thing that I wanted to add that's that's even more upgraded with this team is just the free throw shooting because we ah, traded, dude, I thought about that earlier today oh, too. Yeah. Oh, we my traded God. Dwight for Mark Gasol, dude. He shoots like seventy three percent, seventy four percent, and you know Montrez doesn't shoot that well at sixty three percent. But I'm more looking at the upgrades with Wes Matthews, Dennis Schroeder, who is like an eighty four percent free throw shooter, Mark Gasol. Um, once we get into that, you know, foul penalty area, our bench unit comes in and we can just rack up the points and we're not leaving as many points as we were last year on the table. So that's another thing to just, you know, be excited about. Anything else that you're sort of amped about, Alan, whether it's, you know, the team interconnected wise or just, you know, a little tidbit here and there? Um, the only other thought I had, and it came up because Tommy was mentioning, you know, the players that we're retaining from this past team. When you think of our defense, you think of guys like KCP, you think of guys like Alex Caruso, <clears throat> Kuzma proved that he's a much improved defender. Well, guess what? We still have them. Oh yeah. And then there's AD and there's LeBron. So, yeah. you know, I think we're okay. <laughs> yeah. And then we added Marcus all on top of that, who's one of yeah. the most intelligent players in basketball and, you know, not to knock JaVale McGee, but we lose that part of things, the shacked in a fool sort of <laughs> tomfoolery where when he's out there, sometimes you're like, how can we get through these next five minutes? Instead, it's Marcus all there. Dude, Marcus all's in our starting lineup. <laughs> Remember this whole season, we're like, I hate these slow starts we're off to. But we've oh got Marcus All in our starting lineup now. Well, remember all those clips of like LeBron walking off the court, and you could like read his lips saying to Frank Vogel, "There's no space," you know, because it's yeah. like he could. Yes. Like, certain teams would defend us in certain ways. Like that's just gone now. And again, I think we can. We, we only need Mark to play like 15 to 20 minutes a game, which is just completely mm-hmm. absurd because we have like a rabid beast on the bench behind him who's like ready to come in and just cause chaos. So. I mean, you guys talked about the free throw shooting, but I think drawing free throws, Montrez averaged six free throws a game last year. Schroeder averages, averaged four free throws a, or three or four, sorry, four free throws a game last year. Um, we didn't have anybody who was consistently getting to the line multiple times a game outside of LeBron and AD. So by the time these dudes get into the game and the opposing team has burned all of their fouls and they're in the penalty, I mean, these guys are going to be living at the line on the bench. It's, it's going to be yeah. like wild, I think. Yeah, it's so crazy. All right, before we close this episode, let's just oh, We're touch... talking about weaknesses. That's so funny. I know. <laughs> I love it. Our weaknesses are actually our strengths. <laughs> How about that? The perfect job interview answer. That's <laughs> the Lakers. <laughs> but no, really, let's let's try and dig really hard to find some concerns and weaknesses. I do have some, but I'll throw it to you guys first. But Alan, what are some things that may crop up or even some things that you've thought about for yourself that may need some finessing and may you may see a path where things kind of fall apart in that respect. Uh, geez, that's tough. Um, I mean, maybe a little bit of durability from like Mark. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. You know, just some of the older, cause we really do need him. We do. Right? And, and, even though the minutes aren't going to be in large volume, um, you know, he's an older guy and he was thinking about going to Spain <laughs> and now he's yeah. on a championship, you know, contending team here that's trying to repeat. So uh, if he were to go down for any period of time, there's a significant hole there. I mean, now, I mean, AD's playing a lot at the five. Um, mm-hmm. 
So that that could be a concern. Um, I mean, I well, if things don't pan out with Trez defensively, you know, if some of those um, things that we saw when he was with the Clippers, even though we have a much better coaching staff than them, if that stuff creeps up again, it's just like a headache. <clears throat> I mean, even then, I feel like we have so much versatility where we could just switch things around and put other players in position mm-hmm. to be successful. Um, but, you know, that might be a little bit of a nuisance at worst. Um if Schroeder's shooting was not not as great as it was last season, because like he had a pretty uh, significant uptick in terms of his efficiency, yeah. if you know that falls off a little bit because of the Laker curse, maybe that, maybe just the Laker shooting curse, right? <laughs> if things just go down because they always do, well, um, we can still win a championship because this year that's that's what we did. So that's all I got. But maybe the Mark thing is the most significant. Sure. Uh, Tommy, what about you? I mentioned before that there's a, obviously a positive side to multiple guys being on contract years. Uh, there's also a negative side to that, especially when this team is very talented. And, you know, Vogel, it's a good problem to have having a team this talented. But when you have guys who need to eat for their next contract, if they're not getting the minutes and opportunity, will they all of a sudden buy in less as the season goes you know, comes continues on. Will they get disgruntled down the line? It's like Alan mentioned, if Trez is not holding it up defensively and and Frank can just easily swap him in and out, are guys going to be okay with that? So I think that's one of my concerns. But Tommy, do you have any others? Or if you want to touch upon that as well? That is a fair concern. I just have to hope that with the leadership we have from the top down on the roster, starting with AD and LeBron and, you know, LeBron being the one of the best players in NBA history and certainly the best player on our team, or I guess arguably the best player on our team, um, coming into last season saying, like, this team runs through Anthony Davis, set the tone, I think, for the entire season. of If LeBron James is going to defer, then I can defer. And, I, you know, so I kind of hope. And, you know, LeBron is tight. I, I agree with you. Montrez is the one firecracker wild card who things could go wrong in the wrong situation. And I think the clutch connection, the fact that he's tight with LeBron and all that mm-hmm. stuff will greatly help us. He's probably tight with AD too. Cause it seems like that clutch family is, is legit. Um, I think the big one for me is what Alan said, which is Mark and his, can he, uh, can he hold up over a 72 game season? He will certainly need to load manage at times, and this is, you know, assuming he doesn't get injured, which, you know, God forbid that that doesn't happen. He's been pretty good in terms of staying healthy, but even he presumably will need to load manage. Who do we go to at that point, right? Like, we don't want to use AD too much at the five, and it's not like JaVale to Dwight where it's like, okay, we're swapping out our seven-footer for a 6'10 dude who is built like a, you know, truck. It's like we're going from... Seven foot, a seven footer to six eight in on a good day in Montrez. Um, that is going to be Keith, dangerous. I guess, I, but still. Keith, I guess you know who we use that in stretches as a as a small ball five. Um, I would like to see us add an insurance random seven footer to the end of the bench just mm-hmm. so we have it. Um, that's the one thing I am a little bit concerned about. And although I think we actually, the only other concern I have is. Although I think we actually improved as a shooting team overall, I would like to see us add one just like absolutely 
Ashton you, Kutcher. You guys, you guys know who I'm thinking about. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like one flamethrowing shooter who we can just, you know, because I do want to play, I do want this team to play 11 deep next year. And the nice thing about a guy like Kyle Korver, who, you know, as everybody knows, the Bucks are hard capped and they don't have enough room to sign a 15th guy to bring him back. And he signed a minimum with the Bucks last year. And he's never won a championship. And he's like 39, so he's getting up there in age and maybe wants to win one at this point. And he's born throw- Orange County. Yeah, and he's born OJ. You could, and he looks like Ashton Kutcher. You could throw a guy like that <laughs> out there, completely ice cold, and throw him out there for ten minutes, and he'll chuck up three threes and probably make a, you know make at least one. So, I, you know, I kind of would like to see us add a little bit more of that dynamic, especially since we have these dudes like Montrez and Mark, who are such like amazing screen setters. You know, we talked Javale and Dwight were great for us last year. Our screening was horrendous I, for long stretches of the season. Montrez Harrell is already our best screen assist, our best screener in terms of guy who guy who gets uh, the most screen assists, which is crazy. Yeah. So you know, if we could add a just flame throwing shooter to the mix here, I think that would help us a lot. And um, it, you know, that would just be kind of more of a nice to have thing than the mark issue. But you know, those are kind of kind of uh, what I see as the weaknesses. Yeah, for sure. I have one little frivolous thing to add on top of that, and maybe it's just chemistry-wise. I feel like we're kind of not as fun and lighthearted as we were last year. Then that may be a good thing. That may be a good thing. But you know, I feel like Javale and Dwight were that infusion of like life and childlikeness that kind of got the bench super lit. Even guys like Jared Smith and Dion Waiters, and you know, not to say I, I think. In a vacuum, last year's group really had something special that can never be recreated. You can say what you want about their talent or whatever, but their bond and what they had to go through over the season, and also you know losing a guy like Quinn Cook, DeMarcus Cousins, I think it's safe to say that chemistry will never be recreated. I don't think it'll be so... I don't think that chemistry will be so off to the point where it's going to make a difference, you know? But I guess from a fan's perspective... It may just not be as litty, you know what I mean? But that's just a very superficial thing. And at the end of the day, they have enough veterans like Marcus All to kind of wrangle everybody together and get everybody rowing in the right direction, et cetera, et cetera. These guys are hungry. The contract guys have something to prove. And um, I think they're all just going to have fun knowing that as a group, they can achieve like such crazy heights that I don't think, I don't know, can we top what we did this past season? We'll see, but um, it's going to rest on health, uh, first first and foremost, like you guys mentioned. And yeah, I, I don't know. Like Frank Vogel has, has a very, I, I think it's personally a tough job to have to manage just such a talented group of people and, and make sure that guys know their place and that they could be swapped in and out at any given moment. I guess it's important early on just in two weeks to let the guys know how things might operate and getting that communication going from the outset and that understanding. And I think as this coaching staff and this group has proven with the transparency and the collaborative process of everything, I don't think we have to worry about that so much. You know, everybody kind of knowing what to expect going into this season, even if it's just like, you know, what happened with Dion Waiters in the bubble where it's like, hey, these first eight reseeding games, we're going to run you out there, but uh, playoff time, don't be surprised if we just yank you and give you zero minutes. And he was totally okay with that. You know what I mean? So yeah. kind of getting that out in front of everybody and, lo- and letting them know, hey, first part of this season, you might be getting 25 to 28 minutes, but once LeBron James and Anthony Davis are ready to go, those last 15, 20 games, 
you may be out of the rotation. You know, are people going to be okay with that? But yeah. given this team, Phil Handy, Lionel Hollins, just the solid structure and foundation of everything, I'm very confident that it'll all work out. It'll just, again, as with everything else, it'll rest on health. Uh, so with that said, thank you guys for listening. Alan, Tommy, happy Thanksgiving. Um, by the time you listen to this, maybe we do have that big that Tommy's talking about, that insurance big. Maybe we do have Ashton Kutcher, dude, where's my car, Kyle Corver, helping shore up that extra shooting. Um, but regardless, it's been a fun, unexpected November with free agency. And shit, man, right after Thanksgiving, we're watching games already. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is nuts alright um, Alan I'll let you go happy Thanksgiving thanks dude you too Tommy happy gobble gobble day gobble gobble <laughs> don't, don't let Trez eat all of that turkey and gravy and cranberry and carrot cake <laughs> <laughs> just all on the same plate at the same time <laughs> yeah, oh, that's so gross dude I know, I know that triggers Alan, so that's what I I'm saying. Wait, really? No, you separated? No, no. Yeah, dude. Your OCD I got the, like that? I got the divider. The divider Wait, do you even... Like okay, okay, obviously dessert, Alan. There's no question there. But do you yeah. separate, like, just the core Thanksgiving food that, like, everybody else mixes together? Like, the like the Thanksgiving... Like, the uh, stuffing and the, gra- and the mashed potatoes and the gravy. Like, do you mix all that up and eat it like a mush pile like most people do? Or you keep that separate, too? Okay, so the only thing I eat as a mush pile is a little bit with turkey because turkey's, you know, typically dry. Right. So you need a little bit of something else going on. But um nah man, I usually just take it one thing at a time. Oh, or I'll wow. like rotate amongst <laughs> the things. But I definitely don't like put it in a bowl and just like stir it up like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Disgusting. I think I'm okay savory wise having it all on the same plate. I'm with you when it comes to adding like the sweet Sweetness of things, I like to keep it separate. Yeah, but, you gotta uh, separate that. Yeah. I'm okay with things touching, though, except for cranberry sauce. Because that, oh, that's yeah, just yeah. like a totally different I actually, thing. maybe this it's is okay a hot if things take. I don't, I don't like cranberry sauce. Is that, is that controversial? You don't like it? I really don't I like it. I don't think it. that's controversial. I feel like some people don't like it. As long yeah. as you put gravy on that dry-ass piece of turkey. Yeah, for sure. Maybe this will be the year, guys. This will be the year. I'll send you all pics. <laughs> just mix it up a little. I'll mix up a lot, Tommy. All right. <laughs> nice, because that fits how the Lakers are going to mix everything up as a malleable and versatile plate of goodness. Ayo! <laughs> All right. Uh, I don't even know if I'm going to keep that in, but uh, thank you guys oh, you for listening to. if you did. All right. I guess I, guess I do. This is what we talk right. about when we're done recording. Bye, guys. <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving. See you guys. Happy Thanksgiving, y'all. Peace. Keep it but less than 10 people, please. All right. All right bye. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.